Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you're doing well. We're your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by the uh, Sicky Jordan Porter. Sickly. Sickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were just talking before we hit the record button how both of us were just like, Ugh, sinuses stuffiness fighting off things sleepy so I we apologize children <laughs> right i think i may have gotten it from a friend's kid but i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm gonna blame it to kids too <laughs> kids are little petri dishes <laughs> so true uh yeah it's um yeah it's february jordan is it it's february it is i mean yeah, but then I feel like the next time we actually record, we're going to be really <laughs> <laughs> like, it's definitely going to feel like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Like things are going so fast, but like, I don't know. I say that as like I've been sitting on the couch all day, just like wishing time would move faster so I could just go nice. to bed. Because like I told you, I tried to take a nap and then like my children kept wait- like my son was very respectful. He uh, he took a nap earlier today. And then, um, but my daughter like has been outside playing. And so I was like, definitely go outside, get away from all the germs or whatever. And so she's just been like checking in and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. And like the text messages I got from my husband. And I'm like, oh my God. I know for me, it's like, it's kind of nice because my husband's at work today, but I didn't do anything this morning before we started recording. And I'm probably not going to do much for the rest of the day because I feel like the flurry of activity is coming and I just I just want to I just need to take a little break for myself because like so next weekend I'm flying to Tennessee to do lectures the following weekend you fly to Ohio to do lectures then yep then the week after that I think I might be like closing on my house and the week after that I think I'm moving and going to a conference <laughs> like the next day so yeah this next month is gonna be insane Everybody's busy. <laughs> we knew Ooh, it was gonna be busy we did we tried like, to plan it too and it and it didn't it didn't get planned as well as we did so we just hopefully made some concrete plans this morning to figure out how to get through this month um and and not go crazy so um yeah <laughs> Uh, oh boy I know this month um so February one of the things that we have scheduled as well in the mix of everything is for our um internal medicine for vet text membership CE the monthly membership we did move it to February 25th just because of all the conferences and everything um so we're gonna do on February 25th instead of the previous weekend. We normally do it the third weekend, but it just didn't work out time-wise. Um and Jordan's gonna be presenting on blood transfusions, 
Um, that was kind of a popular one last year. So we're, we're redoing it again, just for the sake of keeping our brains a little bit sane. Um, so if you missed it last year and you want to see it again, um, live, definitely, um, Saturday, February 25th, we'll be doing that. Um, and you can always go to internalmedicineforvettechs.com slash events, um, and see all the events that we've got kind of coming up and conferences and the CE and, and everything. All the things, all the things. Dude, it's like monsooning right now. This is kind of crazy. Sorry. It wasn't raining five minutes ago and now it's like downpouring. I love my weather changes here in I California. Love- it's so bizarre. Well, it's crazy that you guys are actually getting Yeah, weather. I was looking at this is this is our weather part of the, the show. <laughs> I was looking right. and some of our reservoirs have risen like a hundred feet this year. Oh, um, I believe it. which is is pretty insane considering how much water we've gotten and how little water we've gotten previous years um that our reservoirs have risen to almost normal capacity which is insane it's great it's great i'm not really complaining but it's it's kind of crazy and we're still getting rain and we haven't even like had our like snow melt yet so that's gonna fill everything oh yeah yeah, that's right we're getting more snow (laughs) my weather's uh our our southern um groundhog what saw his shadow i don't know spring's coming early (laughs) oh i thought puxatani is it not puxatani for you guys oh no we don't have puxatani phil um what is ours huh i know puxatani phil whatever saw didn't see i don't know but it was another six weeks of winter for us so i'm not surprised because it's raining right now so um oh ours is general beauregard general beauregard all right yeah and he's a groundhog yes he's a groundhog he belongs in georgia he did not see his shadow unlike his counterpart part to the north so he's predicting an early spring for the south oh interesting interesting and i didn't say his full name his full name is general beauregard lee (laughs) of course it is why wouldn't it be well we have to be southern down here so right (laughs) oh so funny i wonder if there's like one for like the west coast (laughs) that's a good question I'm assuming not if you guys still heard from Puxatani Phil. Oh, don't assume anything. There's probably something around here. No, uh, according no. to the Sacramento Bee, is Phil the groundhog right? Oh. Okay. So, I mean, they go off of Phil. All right, all right. Wait, and then this Fox News one says, forget the groundhog. What does Rufus the mountain beaver say? <laughs> Rufus the mountain beaver? <laughs> where's, where's rufus the mountain beaver oh my god that's hilarious the verdict from rufus was no shadow so early spring and where's where's he located let me see he is an african pygmy groundhog he lives in the oregon oh. zoo oh i'm gonna have to go visit him when i'm actually up there and be right? like hey thanks for giving me spring early instead of winter we'll see it's so funny <sighs> yeah that was a little vet tech tangent and a half right oh now it's sunny at my house how funny uh, interesting all right weather weather related news <laughs> but um 
for this episode, we um, are talking, we've talked about, we've talked about different respiratory things, but this one, I, I think it's very interesting. So this is canine eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be called pulmonary infiltration with eosinophilia or PI, um, but it's eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy is what I've always known it as. Um, so yeah, huh. it's interesting. I like that they keep changing names for diseases. <laughs> right? You're like, cool, thanks. <laughs> have you seen have you seen bronchopneumopathy? Um, eosinophilic? No. Oh, okay. We've had not a ton. I would say probably four or five cases. Um, but I think I think too, um, because so the definition of this disease is um it is an eosinophilic infiltration of lung lung and bronchial um the bronchial mucosa. So what happens is basically the lungs it's this pneumonia, but it instead of it being like neutrophils, which we kind of are is our kind of normal pneumonia, it's eosinophils, and they think that it's caused by hypersensitivity. So it's immune related. Um and it if you've ever do like once you've seen one, like it's so classic when you actually are in there with bronchoscope, it's crazy. Oh um, really? It looks totally different than any other pneumonia. It's 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 bizarre. Oh interesting. Um, yeah, and and it's different because it is considered like an allergic bronchitis bronchial thing, but it's it's not it's not the same mechanism for like feline asthma. Feline asthma is different, but it's related. So a lot of people think they're the same thing, and it's not. Um, but it is like a an allergic bronchitis kind of thing. It's just very severe. So it's it's one of the it's kind of interesting things that I, that I've read about. So there's one particular one that is called pulmonary nodular eosinophilic granulomatous syndrome. <laughs> um, so it's a rare, severe eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy. Um, so it's, it's very similar or it's, it's a similar syndrome um, it occurs in dogs and it's typically associated with a heartworm infection, or if you've got a patient that has eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy, that's just not controlled and really aggressive. Um, it's severe. And so, um, you can see these, these granulomatous, cause I'm going to be able to say this word by the end of this episode, right? <laughs> Granulomatous, um, hypersensitivity to the microfilaria, um, or the antigens, depending on, you know, what it is that they're allergic to. And basically, um, it, it mixes with, um, alveolar and interstitial infiltrates and they become these nodules throughout the lung field. So it looks like masses, but it's not a mass. It's the, well, I mean, it is a mass, but it's not like a cancerous mass. Um, it's associated it's with like a, it's like a thickened, just inflamed mass, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's associated with pathology could include eosinophilic granulomatous lymphadenitis, tracheitis, tonsillitis, splenitis, enteritis, gastritis, and the, 
<laughs> this is a new one for me. Pericholangitis. Pericholangitis. Instead of just cholangitis, pericholangitis. So anyways. Um, it could be, it's, it could be caused by drugs, like a hypersensitivity to drugs, inhaled allergens. Um, it's not super common in small animals, but, um, it is rare. We can see it. Um, and I think I've seen one case of something sounding similar to this. So does it say anywhere that, so is this a reaction to heartworm disease or heartworm disease during treatment? Uh, to the actual microfilaria and the antigens. Okay. To the actual heartworm. So not the killing of heartworms. No. Um, I mean. Okay. I'm sure it probably could, but I. I mean, it probably, I, it probably could because you get that. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know. I think you could probably have it either way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, it's really interesting, but it's, it's a severe allergic reaction. The problem is, is they don't a hundred percent know what causes it. Like it, it's just like with any of our autoimmune or immune related things, sometimes we just never know. So that's, that's the hard thing about it. But, um, so typically like how it presents, it's usually with younger adults. So four to six years old, um, we have seen it in animals as young as one year and as old as 10, but it's not as common. Four to six is kind of that normal range. It mm-hmm. tends to be Huskies. So Samarian Huskies and Malamutes, but it's also been diagnosed in large breeds. So labs, Rottweilers, German Shepherds. It is less common in the smaller breeds um, and rare in miniature or giant breeds. We don't know why. I'm guessing their immune systems. Who knows, right? Um, The ones I've seen, the ones I've seen have been like smaller dogs because we've been able to put them in the oxygen kennels or in the oxygen, yeah, oxygen kennels um, versus like labs, Rottweilers and German Shepherds don't fit in there. So I wonder if it's more common in the bigger dogs because the worms have more room to migrate. Well, it's not just worms though. Yeah. It could be, it could be anything that causes it. So it could be an inhaled allergy. So I think that's why we see it a lot here in the Bay area, San Francisco Bay area, or not a lot. I mean, we see it more commonly than you. We like allergies in California are, are insane. Like most people have some sort of allergy here because we just have so much blooming and all that stuff. So we see a lot of dogs and cats with allergic bronchitis and all the allergy things. Um, so we've seen, a. I think that's why we've seen a couple of them just because we have more allergy, inhaled allergy things, which is super fun. So typically these patients come in and in general, they're fairly healthy. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a disease that, um, you know, affects a lot of other body systems. So typically they come in, um, pretty healthy unless they have like a bacterial, uh, bronchoneuropathy at the same time, which can happen. It's not super common, but, but you can see that cause you've got extra stuff in your lungs and bacteria is like, yay, that sounds fun. 
Um, but typically these guys present um, coughing, gagging, retching. So kind of that, that normal, like I have pneumonia type stuff. Um, you can have a chronic cough with these patients um, that kind of goes with along with that allergic pneumonitis. They can be mild or severe, productive or unproductive, progressive or non-progressive. <laughs> so kind of any of any of the ways of, of the pneumopathy. Um, you can sometimes see some weight loss um, just because maybe they're not eating because they feel kind of crummy. Um, tachypnea is seen, dyspnea, wheezing, exercise intolerance. Um, and occasionally, occasionally you'll see hemoptysis. I mean, usually the hemoptysis is from just coughing so much that they've caused irritation and now they're coughing up a little blood and it's not usually a lot of blood, but it, you can see kind of flex occasionally. Um, severely affected animals can have moderate to severe respiratory distress and cyanosis. Um, typically thoracic, um, auscultation can, can kind of vary. So unremarkable to increase breath sounds, crackles, or wheezes. The big thing with this one is we usually don't see a fever. So that's a big difference between your typical pneumonia versus the allergic bronchopneumonia is that it's not an infection. So you're not going to see the temperature increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and the, the extent of how difficult their breathing is and coughing is, is just kind of related to the inflammation in the airways. Um, and occasionally you'll see some nasal discharge, but it's not super common. <sighs> so in, in humans and animals, the suspect, Suspected causes, the suspected causes of this could be fungi, mold, drugs, bacteria, and parasites. So those are kind of the big, the big five that they see. Um, but a lot of times we can never, we don't know what causes it. Um, and so unfortunately it's kind of like, is it inhaled? Is it not inhaled? They're still unclear. It's, it goes back and forth, but we've got some differentials and, uh, these are going to be our parasites. <laughs> Your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the big one is going to be a uh, heartworm. So diarphilaria imminis. We can also see, um, and I don't know this one. So angiostrongylus vasorum, vasorum. I don't know. Um, so that one, the larvae can actually migrate through the pulmonary parenchyma and cause the, the, the reaction. Interesting. You can also see the nematode, <laughs> um, kind of cause it, um, apparently the French this is, heartworm. Yeah. So apparently this is called the French heartworm with angiostrongylus vasorum. I don't know why it's called the French heartworm, but it is. Hopefully well, that means it's French. in France. <laughs> <laughs> he has a little mustache and wears a beret. That's why. Um, so there's other parasites. So capillaria aerophila, oslurus oslari, <laughs> philoroides. This is really testing your ability it to is, say these yeah. things. <laughs> Chronosoma vulpus and paragonimus <laughs> Hello, Connie. 
Where are our lab techs? Oh my God, seriously. So these guys can also cause eosinophils to go into the airways or the lungs um, and can mimic um, eosinophilic bronchodermopathy. So this is one of those where we're really testing for parasites um, in these kids to make sure that that's not what we're dealing with on top of everything else. So usually what we're doing is um, like the fecal um, exam. So a Behrman sedimentation, we can also look for them in a, the bronchial alveolar lavage fluid. So we can sometimes see parasites in that if they're present um, or antigen detection in blood. Um, so kind of, you know, the typical screening for parasites. So that's going to be your big um, differential list for this is just, is, do they have parasites? And I would say secondary is, do they have a concurrent bacterial infection? Um, yeah. Whew. Interesting. <laughs> right. So diagnostics for these kids. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look for, you know, do they have like, what breed are they? It's it, again, this is internal medicine disease. So it's, um, it's mostly diagnosis by rule outs. <laughs> so some of the things that we'll see is, um, you know, what breed are they? Are they a younger age? Have they previously responded to corticosteroids? Um, so have they used steroids in the past and they've actually responded? And then once they've come off, they had another flare up and clinical science. Those are kind of be the kind of things that we start with. We're going to do some x-rays, um, just make sure, you know, do we see any nodules in the chest? Um, hopefully not, but it's possible. We're going to do bronchoscope. Um, so we'll definitely talk about that in a minute. Uh, we can look in our CBC and if we see increased eosinophilia, that is very telling. Um, a lot of times that's the first thing that we see and we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this, this sounds like we're going to run into eosinophilic bronchomopathy. And then once we've done our bronch and our BAL and stuff like that, we can do tissue exams um, for cytology and see eosinophilic infiltration. Um, response to treatment is also considered a diagnostic test. So again, steroids, we'll talk about that. And then just making sure, you know, rule out diagnosis of rule out. So no other diseases are present. Um, typically on x-rays, we're going to see a moderate to severe bronchointerstitial pad pattern. So inflammation and, and just like the stuff that the infiltration, we'll see that, uh, CT. So typically we'll do a CT prior to scoping these kids just to make sure that, you know, we're not seeing any masses. Um, we don't have to, but it is recommended. Um, so we'll see a uh, heterogeneous to marked bronchial wall thickening, plugging of the bronchial lumen by mucus and debris, which is gross. And I've seen it, um, bronchiectasis. So we've got, um, our bronchioles are actually collapsed pulmonary nodules and lymphadenopathy. So those are very common when our, when, in, for our CT findings. Bronchoscopy. I'm surprised. It kills me that Jordan's never seen one of these. Like, I know. It, I'm how sorry. is it you've never seen it? It's it's just so crazy. We didn't do a lot of Bronx, uh, where I was at. Huh. 
we, I, I don't think we did a lot, but we did a significant number. I think because we just have so many patients with like allergic bronchitis and collapsing trachea and, and foxtails, foxtails and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things about this, it's classic. Once you go in there, um, it's this abundant. And when I say abundant, I mean, it's gross. Sometimes it's like, you can't even see past it. Um, yellow green mucus and it's mucopurulent. (laughs) It's severe thickening of the mucosa with irregular or polypoid surfaces and then partial airway closure during expiration. This stuff is so gross. I hate cleaning the scope afterwards because the actual mucus, if you've ever seen it, is like insanely thick and it just like sticks to the scope. It is gross. Um, And it's one of those things, if you see it, you're like, oh, I can almost guarantee I know what this is. It's like, this is going to be an eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of cleaning the scope after messy procedures in general, let alone like boogers. God, I don't do boogers. No, and they're like the super sticky boogers, like those like, okay dry, sticky, like okay. Do you remember the? <laughs> you might be too young for this, but like, yeah, well, you have kids. Um, you know that gack stuff that like you can oh, play with I and it sticks to the when wall. I was a kid. It's kind of yeah, like I, that. It's. it's I don't think they make gack anymore. They just Probably like not. straight up transition to like just slime. <laughs> it's not like slime. Just slime different types of like, slime now. Yeah, slime is more like liquidy to me, versus the gack who like yeah. just stuck to everything. Like a putty, it was like a mixture between putty and slime. Yeah, yeah. But that's how slime is made now. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so that's what this this is what that mucus is like. It's pretty. Do they even make silly putty anymore? Yeah, they do. I've seen it. They do. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I used to put that on newspapers all the time. Man, kids won't even get to understand that anymore. Like how fun it was to put it on newspapers oh, yeah. and just get the. Oh, this generation sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my kids' generation. I'm allowed to say it. That's true. <laughs> They'll understand things we won't, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, like sitting on YouTube all day. Ugh, can't. Or how to, you know, unlock a private iPhone or whatever. They understand how to hack things. Mm. And we understand how to get newspaper print on Silly Putty. Yeah, I mean, that's a hack. It's just not a computer hack, right? Sure. <laughs> um okay so bronchoscopy <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's totally fine uh we do we still do our um, bal so the uh, bronchial alveolar lavage um do you did you do brush cytology when you did scope like bronx yes okay so we didn't do brush cytology i don't know why i think my doctors just didn't like it and we usually got we didn't good results but we did it once and we didn't like it okay yeah um so the fluid itself you can see marked eosinophils in there um so like 50 percent or more of the inflammatory cells are eosinophils so like crazy amount of eosinophils um and then we also see in those cases typically the eosinophils have infiltrated into the bronchial mucosa 
Um, so when they when you're looking at the, the the biopsies, like it's just lots of eosinophils everywhere. So if um, you need help identifying eosinophils, just look at one of these. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and then sometimes you'll have some ne- neutrophilic infiltration as well, just because you know there's inflammation, there's probably stuff dying, that kind of thing. Um. So the big thing with this one is going to be, you know, your baseline lab work, obviously, we're going to check our CBC, see if there's the eosinophilia present, but most of it is going to be bronch um, because it's, it's respiratory. As far as treatment goes, um, so the biggest thing on this is if you can figure out what it is that's causing the um, allergic reaction, eliminating that is going to be the best thing. So if it is a parasite, getting rid of that, if it's, you know, did they move and now there's something new in the house or a new tree in the neighborhood or, you know, what, what is it potentially causing the allergic reaction? If you can get rid of it, obviously that's the best, uh, glucocorticoids are going to be kind of the primary thing for this. So typically it's going to be, um, oral, steroids um, to start with. And we usually start at a pretty high dose twice a day for at least a week. Um, and we'll start seeing the, um, we'll start seeing that the, their symptoms really start to improve. Um, once that kind of, it, we gradually taper, if we can get them off of steroids, great, but sometimes we can't fully get them off of steroids. And so we may switch them over to like an inhaled steroid just to um, decrease all the steroid side effects. Yeah, so we do um, the inhaled steroid. This is where you're using the, um, and the Aerodog can be, you know, great for both your inhaled steroids and a bronchodilator. Um, so you could do oral bronchodilators if that works for the patient or inhaled. It just really depends on what's going to work best for them and what they tolerate and what side effects. And Yeah, because a lot of dogs <laughs> don't tolerate. Well, I mean, a lot of dogs do tolerate inhaled, like with a inhaler Yeah. Um, in the aero dog. But like some dogs don't. Like if they put up a fight and then it like causes them to start coughing and stuff, clearly that's not the route to go versus if they just eat peanut butter just fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think too, it's like, you know, one of the things for us is, you know, having that conversation with a client and explaining ways to, you know, train the dogs to not be scared of an inhaler. Um, Because it it should, it's not like with kids where, or people where you just put it on your mouth and you're like, I know this is gonna make me feel better. Like you do have to gradually work up to it sometimes for some of these kids. Yeah, I've seen some people put peanut butter on the inside of the arrow dog. Yeah. Good old peanut butter. <laughs> Can't use that stuff in internal medicine. Uh, you can't I mean, you can. It's, it's just, just like, depends. I worked for a doctor who was like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, most of our animals have food allergies. <laughs> and <Sorry>. fat allergies. <laughs> right. Um. So... Because it is an allergy and not something that you could just like give an antibiotic to and cure. The problem with this one is um, there are frequent relapses of, of this. So, 
you know, we may, it may be lifelong drugs for them. It may be they flare up during the spring, just like with people. So we, you know, having that conversation with a client so that they kind of know what to expect is really important and trying to keep them as symptom free as possible. Um, just because, you know, coughing and not and struggling to breathe is not a great way (laughs) for them to go through life so (laughs) no it's all about quality of life and keeping pets comfortable yes exactly it makes me wonder though like I don't think Apoquil has been around long enough and clearly this is not a common enough disease to test Apoquil on but because yeah I just wonder if like some because it's an immune suppressive right like I just wonder if that would help yeah I don't know I mean I I yeah I don't know or even atopica or some of those other immune modulating drugs. I think they kind of looked at some of them. Um, but they they haven't done any of the trials. So I think yeah. that's part of it is who it's possible, right? Um, especially if we know that it's allergic to something yeah. like in the environment or something like that. Like and if you've eradicated parasites and stuff like that, like it's just Yeah. Exactly. I wonder if it'd be more common. No, I don't know. Farm animals, like farm dogs, seem to be hardy. Man, they are hardy. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah. So I guess it's it's an interesting disease. Um, once you've seen it, it's it. You definitely know what it looks like. Um, I know with the one that I've I've had. I've, it's funny because most of mine have been fairly young, like between one and two years old. Um, and I remember the one that we had was, it was really bad. Like he was actually in our hospital for about a week because he was severe enough that he had to be in oxygen. Right. And that's usually when we see them when they're severe enough, they're in oxygen. Um, so like doing, doing a BAL on a dog that's already oxygen dependent, super fun. That was my favorite one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's nice because it, they do respond to the steroids, which is great. It's just, you know, sometimes it can take a little bit of time for it, for them to feel much better. So, yeah. Oh, there, I did, when I was going through my notes, there's this really cool like case report, um, in journal of veterinary, I think it's veterinary clinicians. It's J vet clin. I don't know if that's clinical pathology or clinicians. Oh, interesting. Um, it's called the successful management of eosinophilic bronchonemopathy in a dog. And it's, it was actually a really cool, like case report to kind of read. Oh, and it was only done a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like a year ago, which is really cool. Um, and so, yeah. And Merck manual just like updated their allergic pneumonitis. Uh, um, they just did that in October, which is really cool. So it's actually, it's really interesting that the stuff is, it's not super common, but there are some new newer articles, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, definitely check out that that uh, case report. Yeah, yeah. Um, cautions. I would say just in general, um, if you have an oxygen dependent patient, just you know the typical. Be careful with that, making sure that we're oxygenating them really well. Um, Definitely, if you're going to do a bronch BAL, you're definitely pre-oxygenating these kids, making sure you're having oxygen during the procedure too. Um, So hopefully you guys have that already, but if you don't, there's, there's way to 
pass oxygen through the bronchoscope um, just to make sure our patient's not <laughs> becoming hypoxic during our procedure. So details. <laughs> right? It's the tip of the week. Uh, you know what? Tip of the week, check out the case report. There yeah, that's go. a good idea. <laughs> um, just because it goes through a lot of stuff and it was really, it was kind of a fun read if you're a dork like I am. Um, but it was really interesting. So that's my tip of the week. Check out the case report. And now for the question of the week. Have you seen uh, eosinophilic bronchopneumopathy? Because I figured all of us have, but apparently not. So I have not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see if I have pictures, but I don't think I do. I was trying to find it. And actually in that, um, in that case report, there are some pictures. So it's kind of cool that you can see what the mucus looks like. <laughs> oh, okay. I won't go look at that. <laughs> I mean, it's in the airways. It's much better than just like, you know, some dripping other... down a, child, a child's face. Yeah. Ugh. That's, that's totally different. It's gross. Or dripping down a dog's face. I have a picture of that and I hate it. It's gross. Like, like when oh. they get, um, like when we have to do trepanation and stuff like that. Ugh. And it's just like blowing snot out of his dog's face. Ugh. Gross. Gross. I don't do snot as it's like dripping out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> as you're dealing with it right now. <laughs> to be fair, mine's not we don't need to go into details on the podcast but mine's not disgusting no it's <laughs> like, not i haven't seen it you're good <laughs> it's also not just sitting on my upper lip like it's oh, just oh yeah uh, but i have I a picture say, of a malamute last night oh that sucks i have a picture of a malamute and it's just like yeah it's like <laughs> in both sides of the nostrils and it's kind of dripping and it's just and he's just like hey and i'm like oh yeah Anyways, there you go. We we end on dog snot for you guys. Uh, anything else you can think of before we head out for the week and get back to our craziness? Nope. I hope everybody's feeling well. I hope nobody has snot dripping down their face. Uh, <laughs> that is a good thing to hope upon people. <laughs> I hope nobody's dogs has this in their lungs because I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes through and they're like, yeah, my personal dog had this. Oh, 100%. Who is it? And still has, you know, still has flares up, flare ups. <laughs> right. I have a narrow dog too. Ended up needing a lung lobe torsion surgery or something. Oh like, my lung god! Lobe that well, would that would be like a, yeah. I was gonna say that sounds like the quintessential vet tech animal right there. Who's <laughs> also a tripod. Yeah. And missing an eye. Yeah. Uh, I would say the other question, this isn't of the week, but the other question I would say is, um, is anybody planning to go to Music City Veterinary Conference in Tennessee next weekend or Midwest? Midwestern. Midwest Veterinary Conference in Ohio in the middle of February. And if you are, say hi. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because last year, my brother promised me it wasn't going to snow the weekend I was going to be there. And then it did snow the entire weekend. And like uh, the drive from his house to the conference center is like, it's only like 30 minutes, but like I haven't driven in snow. But yeah, like I haven't driven in snow in years. So it was just one of those things where I was like, ah, shit. Like, I don't remember how to do this. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't, 
I don't know. Does Tennessee get snow? Oh my God. I have to, I should probably look to see what the weather's yes, going to be like it next does week. get snow. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, Tennessee, it's hot and humid. No, I should probably parents, look. Oh God. What did my parents say? I think she said it was like 40 something degrees today. Oh, okay. So um, it's kind of like here right now. It's fine. Uh, Yeah. It's cold and it hasn't snowed, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to snow soon. Like, <laughs> Sweet. Uh you're lucky next weekend it looks like they're just getting rain at least where my parents are okay <laughs> i have no idea I'm like eh, whatever uh yeah so anyways hopefully um if you guys are at any of the conferences definitely say hi um i don't think i'm gonna be able to find any of my swag because it's packed in boxes right now um I looked for it yesterday and I was like, ah, it's in the other pod. This is what happens when you move. You like misplace things. <laughs> so um, if you say hi, if you get me your information, I can send you stuff, but I will not have it with me, unfortunately, which makes me really sad. So, all right. Well, I think, I think that's everything. Um, definitely, you know, let us know how you guys are doing. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your spring. You're not too cold. You're not too rainy or snowy or frozen or ice storms or any of that stuff. So, <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week. Keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.